0: Did you ever get a book that you read over a weekend, can't put down, and it impacts your life? Well, about three or four years ago, I'm sitting at a lunch with a friend of mine who just exploded his company. I mean, this guy went from having nothing to having a incredible multi-million dollar company. And we're sitting around talking, and he says to me, I just read a book that I bought for every single employee. I said, you gotta give it to me. And he gave me a copy of The Go-Giver, which is a book written by a man named Bob Berg about how to look at business, how to look at growth, value, what compensation is, influence, all these things that we talk about, but a unique, maybe healthy, appropriate, and very powerful perspective. I read it, and I loved it. Coming up next is the author, Bob Berg, on what went into writing this book, some of the ideals and the ideas of the book, and how what he wrote in the book and what you're going to hear on this podcast can change your business and your life today. You don't want to miss it. Coming up right now. Delving into current events
1: to uncover relevant wisdom. wisdom.
0: This is the Charlie
1: Harari Show
0: with Charlie Harari
1: on the Blaze Radio Network. I
0: got to tell you, I don't know, maybe it was a bunch of years ago. I can't remember. I'll find that out in a minute. A guy, a friend of mine, who built multiple companies on his own, I called him and said, Charlie Edge, But the best book, you got to read it. And I bought it for everybody in my, in my company. And he gave me this book called The Go Giver. I'll never forget. And I read it over a weekend and I could not put it down. And now I have the opportunity to uh, have on the show the author of that book, Bob Berg. Bob Berg is a sought after speaker. At company leadership and sales conferences across the world, he shares the stage with top business leaders and broadcasting personalities. To even he even shared the stage with a former United States president. He's the author of multiple books, uh, in addition to the Go Giver, which we're going to talk about, which has sold so many copies. We'll find out how many and been translated to I think 21 languages, and is now released in a new expanded version with a forward by Ariane Huffington of the Huffington Post. Uh, he's an incredible person who is a sought-after advisor and speaker to many businesses. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for having me and for that fantastic introduction.
1: I didn't know that's how you first heard of the book. I'm honored to know that.
0: Yeah, I I, I remember reading it. I was blown away. Someone gave it to me, and uh, I spent the weekend sort of obsessed with it. Um, I even have, it's funny, because I went in, in preparing for the interview, I pulled up my old notes, and I have actually pages of notes, of t- wow. typed up notes uh, <laughs> about the book. And I know that the listeners are in for an incredible treat because we we'll have the opportunity to sort of delve into these principles with you and get your insights on them. And I'm sure there's so much more that you have to offer outside of what was even in those books. So I appreciate the time. Thank you. So let's jump in right now. The concept of the book from what I remember is um, a young sort of, you know, up, upward mobile enterprising mm-hmm. person that wants to make a difference. How many people are have, do we know like this? How many people were like this at one point and maybe gave up a little bit? Um, mm. And inside us is this person that wants to succeed. And along the way, he meets an older individual who sort of takes him through a bunch of stories, has and meets different people and teaches him the five laws of success. And that that's – am I remembering it correctly? Yeah, no, it's perfect. And the first law that he gets, which is um, – an incredible law is this concept of the law of value, and I want to jump in, you know, sort of, and go through it and what you meant by it. And, and from what I understood, it was the the law of value. And think this is literally a quote from your book: "Is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than what you take in payment." Is that what the, the law is? It, it
1: is. That is law number one, and that's the foundational principle. And what I think is interesting, Charlie, is if you when you First, hear that or read that. If it's out of context, it sounds a little counterintuitive, or maybe even counterproductive. Give more in value than I take in payment. I mean, uh, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. Yeah. Right? How do I give more in value than I take in payment and 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 thrive in my survive in my business? Never mind thrive. Right. right. So we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh price is a dollar amount, it's a dollar figure, it's finite, it is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of something, of a thing, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings with it so much worth or value that someone will willingly uh exchange their money or their time or their energy or what have you for this and feel great about it while you make a very healthy profit can i give you a, a sure quick example yeah of course uh let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes and this accountant charges you or we'll just name a round figure a thousand dollars that's his his fee or literally it's his price a thousand dollars what does he give you in exchange? What value does he provide you in exchange? Well, from his years of study and honing his craft, from his desire to serve you, asking you the right questions that helps him to understand your business, your needs, your desires, what you're looking to accomplish, Uh, he's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. He also uh, saves you countless hours of time, and he provides you with the security and peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So so first, we see here again that while price is finite, value can be both concrete in terms of that $5,000 savings, pretty easy to wrap our arms around that, uh, but also it can be conceptual in terms of the uh the peace of mind, which probably holds more relative worth or value to you than than even the money saved. So he gave you well over five thousand well over five thousand dollars in use value in exchange for a thousand dollar cash value, price or cash value. So you feel fantastic about it. And he made a very healthy profit as well, because in his mind, for the $1,000, that that's very profitable to him. He's happy to do it for that amount.
0: You're making an, an incredible point, and I can see this applying to even – to both entrepreneurs and even people that are working in regular companies is that mm-hmm. we take we, – we almost come to a, a business perspective and think that the way you become successful in business is if you get the better end of the deal. right? If you're making a deal with somebody and you walk out the victor – and when you're talking about exchange of values or of a value or service mm-hmm. for a price, and I think and I what you're saying in terms of the intuitiveness, you would think that if I can figure out a way to get you to pay more money than something is worth, then ultimately I'm going to become wealthy. But what you're saying is that's actually – that could happen, but that's not actually the way it should happen or that it actually does happen for most wealthy people. The way it really works for the best companies or the best individuals is you're trying to figure out how to make other people so happy that they'll release the money even if it doesn't cost you that much money. Right? The accountant, for example, doesn't cost them $5,000 to deliver 5000 of value. And yeah. so the more you become great at your job and your mentality is give, mm-hmm. give, 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 the better you are at providing value that nobody else can provide uh, exactly. And
1: in an, in a commodity-based world where technology has pretty much leveled off the playing field, I mean, pretty much products and services work. Uh, they're pretty equal by and large. And when that's the case, for the buyer, when they see no other benefit or no other value other than the intrinsic value and other than the price, it's always going to come down to who's the lowest price. And doing right. business that way is a very dangerous way of, of doing business. So what we want to do is not sell on price where we're looked at as a commodity but sell on value where we're looked at as a resource. Oh, very good. And so to the degree that we can give that person more in use value than what they're paying for and at the same time receive in a way that uh, in which what we're receiving we have we uh, our cost of goods is not as high, we make a profit in a free market based exchange. In when I say that I mean uh no one's forced to do business mm-hmm. with with one another. It's right. always because it's it's a free exchange, right? Uh, in a free market-based exchange, there should always be two profits: the buyer profits and the seller profits, because both of them come away from this transaction
0: better off than they were before the transaction, right? And it actually creates a a bar of um, that uh, that a, 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 a seller has to reach. Beyond maybe what they were anticipating to reach, they have to be better. They yeah. have to give more. And that more, they need to be creative. Because if they give more, that's gonna cost more, then they, they're gonna they're gonna go bankrupt. Right. So the value needs to be new, unique, you know, sort of even intangible value. Like mm-hmm. I, the value of peace of mind, knowing sure. that the product is mm-hmm. gonna work, maybe mm-hmm. why I choose product A versus product B, or the value mm-hmm. of um, feeling good about myself uh, and that's and that's a key right there that that's why the customer
1: experience more than just customer service the customer experience is now such a key yeah because again it, we're, we're living in a commodity-based world so when you can provide a person with that ultimate customer experience when you can help them feel genuinely good about themselves Then they're going to feel good about you and they're going to feel good about your, uh, uh, you know, the the entire process. And that's why when we talk about being that extra value, communicating that extra value, there are probably thousands of ways you can communicate value. They tend to come down, what we find, to five what we call elements of value. Mm -hmm. And those are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that you can communicate each of those, that's the degree you're going to be head and shoulders above any competition, and you're going to take price right out of the game.
0: Wow, and that's, that's, I think, a tremendous thing that most people don't fully appreciate. When you hear the word experience, I think people think it's service. And when you're in a commodity business or you're not interacting with the customer directly – then you're missing what you're saying, which is further than service is an entire exp- – like I'm thinking about Apple, for example, and the money that it goes into the marketing of the products. And what it does, I guess, when you're sitting with an Apple computer that is well beyond whether you've been serviced. You may not even have – gotten great service, but you have the computer and there's a certain um, ease and there's a certain tr- mm-hmm. predictability and a trust mm-hmm. and maybe even a certain status yeah. that you're now – you know. Using a computer that's going to get updated in a couple of weeks and it's going to be new operating systems. All those things are what you're calling the experience. And though it may seem that – and this is where I think it's so it's so critical for businesses that you may think that your marketing dollars is going to get people to buy the product. It may not. They may buy it either way. Your marketing dollars may actually be going to get people to be more proud of the product because they see your product being marketed.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. And, well, and look at, you know, if you're ever at an airport and you, you see the people on their, on their laptops, uh, you know, that, that, uh, computer is turned up in such a way that every, that if you're on an Apple, if you're on a Mac, people want everybody else to see them on a Mac, there's right, <laughs> you know, right. a status there, there's a, a camaraderie, there's a feeling right. about it. Right, right, And, uh, so it's, yeah, they, they do a fantastic job in that area. And, uh, so really you know when so when we say give more in value than what you take in payment it, that that should never be confused as give more than you receive no it's not that it's that you're giving in a way that's of value to that person right. and they're exchanging with you in a way that's more valuable to you so again both parties win it it creates that bigger pie the key is the focus and when we talk about the go-giver philosophy if you will or the go-giver way, Really, it's nothing more than understanding that shifting your focus, and again, we go back to focus, shifting your focus from getting to giving, and when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, we understand not only is that a nice way to live life, it's a very financially profitable way as well. Why? Well, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, if you will, right. it, which simply means that the value comes first, which is where the focus has to be. Mm. The value comes first, and the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've
0: provided. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I love this concept, um, and it applies, not only people actually selling direct-to-consumer, but actually applies, it sounds to me, that it applies to everybody and everything everywhere. So... I'm an employee and I want to get a raise. So I'm sitting just fetching about it and, you know, mm-hmm. complaining at the, you know, the water cooler or whatever that my boss doesn't understand me as opposed to saying, hey, listen, my boss has yeah. thing tasks that is delegating to me. Let me give him or her mm-hmm. so much more value than they're paying me in salary so that they'll get to a place where I'm becoming valuable. And that to me. There is moments where, I mean, just peace of mind is a value enough that a a boss is looking for. So I'm guessing this applies to them as well in in this, this concept.
1: Yeah, it implies both ways in the employee-employer relationship. As you said, if you want to make yourself invaluable or more valuable, you find ways to provide more to your boss than what they're even expecting. You be the one that takes on additional tasks. You be the one that's a problem solver. You be the one that creates great communication within the with the office. You be the one that that moves it from a a gossip type of environment to one where people are only speaking well of each other and you lead from where you are and you make the difference where you can, okay? That's great, you're giving more in value than what you're taking in pain because remember, Uh, someone hires you because they're employing your services. They're your customer really when you, when you work for someone. And so you've got to give them more in value than what they're paying for, or why would they have you working for them as an employer? You obviously can't give someone more in cash value than what they, they give to you in value. Certainly not. But what you can do is you can make their workplace experience so positive that that's, part of the value that they're receiving, not just the, the their, their payment, their paycheck, but they feel good about themselves. They feel valued. You maybe provide training that helps them to be even more effective as they're growing, maybe even when they're working for another company down the road or that helps them become a better person. So we can always find ways to give value to others in a way that takes nothing from us, but simply adds value to
0: them. That's interesting. It's funny because I saw a stat this week that came out that 64% of all employees would rather a new boss than a raise. Showing that what exactly your point, which is a lot of the way we look at employee employee relationships is basically just a commodity, a amount of money for a service. Right. But it's really not, it's an experience. Back to what you're saying. The let ones who is- do it right make it an experience, not a not a commodity base. So what, let me ask you this, because in 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 this concept, I'm thinking, what if you have a situation in which you're providing that value? but the employee employer, or the consumer just won't pay for it because they can uh, get it, some, you know, cheaper someplace else, or they don't appreciate it, or the market can't bear it. What does one do then? Well, let's take the situation where you have a product or service,
1: uh, and that you're selling to the marketplace. Well, the market ultimately does determine what it, you know, whether, whether it's going to sell or not, because in a, again, in a, a free market where they're not Forced to buy from you, they make choices based on what they believe is more likely to bring them happiness. Yeah. That's human nature. That's what they do. So, again, if they don't see a significant difference in what you do and what your competitor does, sure, it will come down to price. Mm -hmm. Now, we always say, all things being equal or close to equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. So, what your job is, is to develop those relationships with people and take again take price out of the out of the ball game now if you're uh, and if you do that effectively well you're going to be the one that gets the business but if the but let's say the market isn't there
0: for you yeah let's say it's a nonprofit, or you're a teacher or um you're in a system that has very specific uh you know trades uh, right well
1: if, if that's the case then you're really not in a market where there is growth potential financially, got it. okay? So what you do in that that uh, that case is you find a way to serve more people. Now, this is where law number two comes in, the law of compensation. Mm-hmm. Your income is determined by how many people you serve mm-hmm. and how well you serve them. In got The it. Go-Giver, Nicole Martin, who was the CEO, uh, she was a school teacher and she loved what she did. She got great psychic income, you know, f- felt good about herself. And the the kids loved her and the parents loved her, but she really didn't make the kind of money she felt she needed to make. And she felt stifled by the bureaucracy, uh, you know, of a government school system and and the whole thing. So what she did is she found a way to take uh, the knowledge and wisdom she had and uh, began to sell uh, learning software. Got it. Right. And so she found a way to expand her reach. And, and and serve more people. See, where law number one says give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives we touch with the exceptional value we provide, the more money with which we'll be rewarded.
0: So it's funny because as you think about growing, the mentality is how much more people can I get? And what you're saying is, if you want to actually grow properly, it's how much more money, how much more people can I give? Can I- Right. Yeah it's, yeah. it's touching. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a shift. It's I think that's probably why it's called a go giver. You got to you got to not be you got to be thinking of a give before get. And that's sort of the growth pattern to what you're doing is how do I take what I'm doing and expand it to reach more people, to right. touch different types of people? What is, sure. you know, underneath the the, the, the principles of it? Mm-hmm. That, that And I think that that's something that most of us, especially in the business world, um, it, it, it could be that it's confusing how to get out there, but that's, I guess, the challenge of what great people do. How do you take the, e, uh, the 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 one way of teaching, which is in a classroom where I've got kids in front of me and it's I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, and they're in one room, and sort of adapt my key principles right. to now put it on a learning software, because exactly. it's not always the same thing. And I think that's where most people get tied up. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, no, I I agree with you absolutely. So we've always got to be expanding our mind and asking how can we serve. If you if you lead with how can I serve more people, how can I find a way to serve more people? That's why what uh, when uh, Pindar early in the story uh, said to Joe when Joe says, well, it's it's almost as though you don't care about making money. Or and Pindar says, no, that's not it at all. Asking will it make money is a great question. It's just a bad first question. Mm-hmm. The first question is does it serve. Because right. if it doesn't serve, you're not gonna find a market. It's right. got to serve, okay? Then you can ask, will it make money or how do I take this and earn money from it?
0: Right, and also do, do I wanna serve with it? And then I think that's an important question Most people just, you see this today in the business world or even in the, in the jobs world, you see people that are actually working in jobs that they do not like because they're yeah. thinking about how to get paid. You can't really serve if you're not excited about serving.
1: Uh, that's so, so very true. And you've got to, you've got to see the value in that yourself so that you can take pleasure in doing that to know you're making a difference. So, uh, so, you know, write down if you have to, who do I serve with my job and why does it feel good to do it? You know, if I, if I'm a, a, um a, a receptionist greeting people, whose lives can I touch with a smile mm-hmm. who may be having a bad
0: day? How can I add value to their world? Yeah. You know. That's it's an amazing point. I I think most of the times we forget that the greatest moments we have in our lives are tied into the moments that we give versus take. And if you look back at child child rearing or marriage or that vacation where you you know, you you jumped into the pool with your clothes on to save that kid who you never met or whatever the thing happened along the lives, if you look back to your greatest moments, they're usually filled with times where you gave versus get when we walk into the business world we seem to forget that and yeah. think that it's about getting versus giving
1: yeah as human beings we have a desire to live a life of purpose okay even if even the people who seem to have forgotten that they've simply forgotten it but we we crave purpose in our lives it's just how we're built it's how we we're, we're created which is a good thing it's why the world continually evolves even though right. it, it there's not always always good things in the world uh, on a on a an ongoing scale, it continues to to evolve. Uh, consciousness grows. Uh, there are more products and services created that that serve mankind and uh, and, and so forth. Um, so when we're doing something that we don't feel serves a purpose, we get a sense of uh, I'm I'm coming up with the word desperation, but that's not what that's not the right word. But there's an unfulfillment there. Right. And it's very hard to get up every day to go do something that you don't really feel has a has a purpose to it.
0: And that could be why the, the, the employment industry is where it is today, where people are so unhappy at work is because they do not feel like they're serving. Right. And this and, and leaders can create and this is where leadership really comes into play. Right.
1: Because a leader can create that environment.
0: Yeah. Where yeah.
1: people feel valued, where people feel needed. there's a, a great book I, I recently read. I, I did a uh, a blog post on it. It was by um, uh, Bob Chapman and Raj Sisodia. Uh, it's called Everybody Matters. And this person is the uh, Mr. Chapman's the CEO of Barry Waymiller, which is a uh, manufacturing firm out in uh, based in St. Louis. Uh, they've got tens of thousands of employees all over, and and he really went through a a change when he was at his his uh, a friend of his daughter's wedding, and when his friend the father made the toast uh, to the kids, you know, and he he welcomed the the his new son-in-law into the family. And, uh, you know, when he said, and you know, and I wish for you both, uh, but what, what Bob was saying that this guy was really thinking is, Hey man, this is my precious daughter. This is my precious child who I've raised. And along with her mother, we've nurtured and we've created that, you know, and so forth. take care of my precious child. And at that time, Bob Chapman had an epiphany and he said, you know, we've got tens of thousands of people in our employee, each one of those 10,000 people is somebody's precious son or daughter. I love that. And it changed his whole way of doing business. Uh, the book's fantastic. Everybody matters. It's a life changer as far. And it said to me, you know what, if, if more and more leaders can understand, and by the way, his company is very, very profitable. Right. So there's not some kind of, right. you know, right. uh, disconnection between doing the right thing and making money.
0: In fact, there is a, A correlation between doing that i would even think it goes deeper i would even think and not saying that he should or shouldn't do this i would even think that what he needs to pay his employees is probably less than a competitor because he's offering his employees to go back to your first point an experience Mm -hmm. and by the way we do this all every parent knows that they do this like when the kids are acting up you give them a job to go out and hold the baby's bottle or you know to hold the door open so that the little kid who's going nuts can feel like he's serving the family, even though he may or may not be. And the idea Mm -hmm. that we want to actually be having a purposeful life, I think, is incredible. So number one is value. Number two is the more people you serve. The law of compensation is Mm -hmm. your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Talk to me about law number three, the law of influence.
1: Sure. The law of influence says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests First. Uh, again, counterproductive sounding at best and perhaps downright Pollyanna-ish sounding at, at worst. Yet you look at all the, gr- the truly great leaders, the top influencers, the uber successful salespeople. This is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to place that other person's interest first and provide value to them. Uh, now, I, and let me qualify this for a moment because it can it can be a bit confusing and, and, and can be easily misconstrued when you first hear it. When we say place the other person's interest first, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or that you should be a, A martyr, or that you should be self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not. It's just we go back to something we referenced earlier. Uh, What Joe, the protege, learned in the story is that the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, it turns out there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by Taking the focus off yourself by moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus. Or as one of the mentors in the story Sam told Joe, uh, making your win about the other person's win. And when you do that, now you're planting those seeds of goodwill, of great will, and you're developing those personal walking ambassadors.
0: So, how do you differentiate between doing something for somebody else and doing something for somebody else? somebody else when you really wanted them to do something for you. You know, like you ever get this feeling where like you're, you're being hit up by somebody who wants to sell you something. So they'll just, you know, they'll do something for you and do, and you're just waiting for the ass Like you're waiting. And, and you know, deep down that they don't really care about you. Right. They're just trying to play in to get you. You're not mm-hmm. suggesting that at all. You're suggesting actually do something. And even if you get nothing from it, that's fine. How do you draw that balance between doing that um, and potentially getting nothing for it and being more calculated?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're human beings, and and I don't think we ever have to deny uh, the idea of self-interest, okay? Because we are, as human beings, self-interested individuals. It's how we're created. allows us to survive and allows us to create more of our species and allows us to, right? Uh, but what we do is we like in the movies when they talk about the willing suspension of disbelief, right? You know that uh, Bruce Willis isn't really in danger when he or, or uh, does, isn't really going to make a wisecrack to some terrorist who has a gun pointed at his head, right? We, we know it's a story. We, sus- we willingly suspend our disbelief, right? Right, right, right. Uh, well, in this way, what we're going to do is we're going to willingly suspend our self-interest, not deny it, not forego it, but suspend it. And just allow ourselves to say, you know what? I have an opportunity to add value to this person's life. It may result in something directly to me. It may not. Uh, and and while we can always expect good things to happen, what we're going to do is ha- ha- not have an attachment to it having to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. And as we continue to train ourselves that way, it gets easier and easier because the funny thing is the results are going to come much stronger when we do that, because as human beings, we want to feel like as though somebody truly does care about us. And you know what? I, I believe the the and, and and I got this just from from observing my dad all these years, who is probably the best when it comes to people skills I've ever met. And and what I always noticed about him is the single greatest people skill is a is a highly developed and genuine interest in the other person right you know and he was always so interested in other people always so interested how he could provide value to them always so interested in in what they were going through in bringing out their best and people always loved him. they still do uh so I had that great example from my parents, and it just happens to be that life really does work that
0: way. Every time? No. Most of the time, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great point that most people aren't appreciative that everything you do for somebody else, if it's not done with that willingness to give, it taints it. You know, mm-hmm. my wife and I talk about this all the time. When, you, when someone gives something to you and they are in the giving already expecting either feedback or appreciation or a response and the giving itself has a little taint to it you know if you're going to do something just do it yeah Uh, well it's not giving it's trading is what they're oh that's a great distinction very good right 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 and you see this all the time and you're even even if it if you're they're not if you didn't get the trade back yet you almost can sort of sense when Mm -hmm. they're giving you something they're not really they're giving to you for uh, something.
1: I see it all the time. Absolutely, and remember, being a go giver does not mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you allow yourself to be taken advantage of. No, we we need to be aware of these things, uh, and when someone proves that's how they are, well, we keep that in mind. You know, we we go always this, uh, but typically, you know, what happens is we want to begin attracting like minded people, mm. and when you operate on that plane, that's what happens. But sure, you know, people are human. And so we need to understand that that will be, and I, you know, I can tell. I get asked for things all the time, and I can tell when someone is is offering or or giving something, as you said, with that, and you you can feel it coming. You know, it's like batter up, and you can tell that it's coming, and and, right. and, and you know, so you, you you understand that, yeah, that is how that person operates. That's where they are right
0: now in their consciousness or or in their learning. Right, and and one thing that always comes up, at least in my mind, and I, I know people have this problem, is that you feel this. Especially if you grow up in sort of urban cities like New York and places like that where you feel always that the minute you start to give, someone's going to take advantage. When in real life, that's not what happens. In real no, life, not, when you start giving, you, you, like you said, you start to differentiate between those people who shouldn't be in your life absolutely. and those people that should. And you want the absolutely. good people in your life. Number four, the law of authenticity. And I love this law because I am such a fan of not photocopying yourself to be somebody else. What do you, where does this look come from and why is it so important?
1: Well, the law of authenticity says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Uh, In the story, Deborah Davenport, um, one of the mentors, shared something she learned in her sales career that was turned out to be very important. And that is that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, even people skills, as important as they are. And they all are very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel very comfortable with you. They feel good about you. They know you, like you, trust you. They want to be involved with you. They want to be a part of your your life. It turns out that being authentic, being genuinely you is a very good uh, is very good business as well as very good life. Now. so why why is it that some people don't show up authentically? And I think it's easy to default to, well, there are so many dishonest people and there and so many this and they're trying to do this and uh, well, certainly it's a big world and there are people like that, and we've got to understand and acknowledge that. I don't think that's usually the case. I think when people show up in such a way, <laughs> that could be described as, I guess the correct uh, Latin term would be phonus balonus, okay, in a way that's <laughs> not really uh, them. <clears throat> I think the reason is, is because they really don't have the self-confidence to show up authentically. Uh-huh. They don't have a true sense of their own worth or 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 value. And let's face it, it's hard to show up authentically when you don't feel you have anything uh, authentic of sh- to show up four so i think it's important for people to understand what i believe are two uh types of authentic value one is what i call intrinsic value and that is simply by the very nature that you are a human being you bring value to the world the other that's intrinsic value the the There's also, though, what I call market value. And market value I would define as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, characteristics that allow you to bring value to the world, to the marketplace, in such a way that you'll be financially rewarded. It's those strengths that we have, that we can lead with, uh, that do provide value to others. And sometimes we all have those, what Mike Lipman calls, assets of value. That we bring to the table. Sometimes, as human beings, it's difficult to grasp what they are because we're, well, because we're human beings. We're we're emotionally involved with ourselves, and sometimes it's difficult for us to see what we really have that makes us unique, that makes us different, that that makes us distinct from others in a positive way. That's why it's great to have a coach or a mentor or a a, a you know, a, a a friend, you know, someone who who you know you can. And, and and so here so and, and and here's the thing. So once we and we need to know our weaknesses too, of course, but we lead with our strengths. And when we lead with our strengths, now we can show up authentically and truly bring value to others. Now there's one more part to this, and that is that authenticity should never be confused with with refusing to grow. Mm-hmm. and right. improve ourselves and learn you know as the person who says, well, I'm a angry person I yell at people and if I was to act any other way, that wouldn't be authentic. Ah, that's Malaki that's that's hogwash. Uh, what it means is this person has an authentic problem that he needs to authentically work on in order to become a more effective authentic human being. So we can always learn we can always study, we can always read we can we can always and then what we want to do is learn. From everyone, You know, the sages of old asked who is wise and answered that person who learns from all others. And by all means, we can learn from all others. But what we need to do is is learn their wisdom, but make sure we don't
0: try to be them. You know, what I always say is adapt, don't adopt. It seems like this this law is, I think, the most is it's critical for the other laws, because if you're not going to get to a place of being authentic, you can't really serve. Because right? you're not going to want to do it. And I see this happen all the time where people want to be – let's say they want to be rich or they want to be um, attractive or they want to be well-regarded. And so what they'll do is they'll go and they'll look at their their sphere of influence. They'll you know see what they're seeing online or whatever they've seen growing up. And they'll just sort of figure out how they can adapt themselves to the people that they've looked up to that are these things. So today in the, in the entrepreneurial world – I mean I, I teach at a, at a, a business school – and you have, I, every class I teach entrepreneurship. So I will have every single class, 10 students that want to start a business because they just want to be Mark Zuckerberg. They don't really want to start a social network. They just saw the movie and mm-hmm. want to be rich and figure like that's the path or they'll wear things or that's how we sort of live in this world. And what I'm hearing from you is such an, and, and I want to make sure that the audience fully grasps this because it's an incredible point, which is. What you've laid out in the first two and three steps is a certain mentality of serving, of giving. You can't give if it doesn't come from a deep place because you're going to lose it quickly, right? right. If you it, – it, it, unless you can regenerate the stuff that you're giving, you're not going to have enough of it to give. So if you're not being you, it's not going to be – you're not going to be able to give at a scale that's right. going to be valuable. So being authentic – If you're not authentic, then you're just going to, it's going to, you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can authentically serve is if you can first and foremost figure out, Hey, what can I give to the world? Which is maybe the hardest thing for for people to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And it, and it takes work and it takes self
1: awareness and confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to do an accounting of ourself and, and and of our characteristics and our traits. And as we do this, As you said, we grow confident because as we get to feel good about what we have to offer genuinely and authentically and where our strength zone is and so forth, we become more confident in what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I I, I frequently meet with businesses and every time I meet with somebody that's running a business, I ask them, why would you get in the business for? Because I want to see if their reason for the business is, like you're saying, part of their authentic self. If they are running a clothing company, do they have this desire to design? If they're running um, any company, are they they there because they're tapping into that skill or that desire of theirs to become better or to bring that to the masses? I think what you're saying is so much – I think it's so critical, and people need to fully appreciate that. Unless you're spending time thinking of yourself and trying to understand yourself – you're not going to know what your unique skill is. What mm-hmm. do you bring to the business? Right. What do you bring to the, to the world? So you won't know if you should take on this job or the, that job, even at work, right? You won't know if you should be volunteering for this task or that task because one task may bring out something that's inside you and one task may just be burning you out. Absolutely. So this Great is point. such a Great critical point. piece of the whole puzzle mm-hmm. to get to yourself. And, and what's amazing about this, and then I'll get to the last one in a second, is that so far your first three rules really are about others. And number four really is about taking care of yourself, which mm-hmm. people think is selfish, but in fact it's not. It's selfless. That's right. Well,
1: it, well, it's, you know, it, it's being congruent
0: with ourselves. Right, it's, it's, right. that's it's, the better word.
1: It, yeah, and I, and I think that's what we've got to be. When, when, we, you know, ha- when we are congruent, now we're operating out of strength.
0: Right. Last rule I think is the hardest rule. Uh, And I I look at all five thinking, okay, I get one, I get two, I get three, I get four. Mm -hmm. uh, Five is difficult, right? Right. That's the law of receptivity. The law of receptivity. And the key to effective giving is staying open to receiving. Okay. How does somebody who wants to be a giver end up taking? (laughs) Okay. This is, and you are
1: correct. This is the one that that John David Mann, my awesome co-author, and I hear the most from people. Uh, We hear things like, this chapter in the book finally allowed me to see that receiving is okay, that it's right, that it's fine, that I can do that. And while we enjoy the compliment, we feel bad that it takes anyone else to give someone permission to receive when receiving is actually very, very natural, especially when you have given value to others. Late in the story, uh, Pindar, the main mentor, asks Joe, the protege, to breathe out and hold that outgoing breath to the count of 30. Joe tries, but in 10, 11, 12 seconds, he's out of breath. He's he's gasping for air. And Pindar says, what's the matter, Joe? Can't do it. And Joe says, no, I I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. Mm -hmm. And Pindar jokingly said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you that it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe just laughed. He said, that, that's silly. You know, you, you, obviously you, you can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> Aha. Yeah, exactly. right, 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 right. right? We got to do both. We breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. We get so many messages of lack from the world. And whether it's a combination for many people of, you know, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, uh, popular culture, whatever, of the, you know, the watch any top selling movie. And you'll notice there are always two types. My friend Randy Gage, Prosperity Authority, t- talks about this, that in every big selling movie, there's, there are typically two types of people. There are the poor people who are good people. And they're typically poor, but happy and honest, and so forth. But they're always being taken advantage of by the rich people who are mean and nasty and cowardly, right? We get all these kind of messages. Oh, right, right. Uh, you very rarely hear a story on the news that says corporate CEO treated people fairly. It doesn't sell. But the ones that do the bad things, that's what sells. And and whether it's a matter of and it's probably always been this way. There's a jealousy, or there's and there's times when people in positions of power got there ruthlessly and horribly. And that's why that's why free markets and free enterprise are actually the, the best system of all, because no one's forced to do business with each other. The only way you can you can do well is by creating value for others. And fortunately, that's how most people make a lot of money by providing value for others. But that's not what the world sees and what the world feels. And, and it's a very unconscious thing because when we get these messages, you know, when you watch a movie, uh, and you, and you see this kind of good versus evil and rich versus poor, you're not really rationally thinking it out and questioning, questioning premises and saying, well, why, why is it that way? Why? No, we're taking it in emotionally. Right. And so if you're someone who, uh, has a, a negative Feeling. And remember, we're we're emotional beings. We are run, we're driven emotionally, not necessarily logically. So if we feel on an unconscious level that money's a bad thing, it's gonna turn us bad, or we're gonna lose our friends, or it means we got there doing something shady, then every time we create a a situation where we can receive abundance, we're gonna sabotage it because our belief system will not allow it. And that's one reason why receptivity is so difficult so my feeling is begin to actively study abundance because goodness knows we get enough negativity and lack thinking Mm -hmm. through every medium there is Mm -hmm. so we've got to consciously learn about prosperity the key is this giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin they're not opposite concepts There's not a dichotomy between the two. In fact, there's a correlation between the two. Give, receive. Give, The key is to focus on the giving of value, focus on the giving, and then allow the receiving. And when you do that, you'll see abundance coming your
0: way. What if the receiving doesn't come, right? I find that many times you'll have people that'll say, "Um, I would have given you had you just asked. And there is a there's a the hard part is the actual ask. How does one know when to ask for something when it is valuable or when they need something in which they haven't given value yet? That well, makes sense.
1: yeah. Whenever you have a situation where the know, like and trust has been developed, you can ask.
0: The know, the like. Yeah, they and know trust. you, they like you and they trust you. And you can ask for something that you're going to ultimately give them more value for. Meaning you can yeah. start the relationship with an ask. Like you can like, – like, for example, you want to get a client. You're, you're running a, a business and you want to get a client. You can't be giving until you get the client. So mm, you,
1: Maybe. Or, or you can find ways within the exchange itself. In other words, w- when you're talking to this person about why they should be your client mm-hmm. – you're in the selling process. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the selling process, it's your job to communicate value to them. The first thing you've got to do is discover. Discover what it is they want, need, and desire that they would be willing to exchange value for in the form of money, if that's the, the situation. Mm-hmm. When you communicate it, that's why the skill of selling is so important because it's up to, remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. They're only going to buy because they
0: believe it's more valuable for them to do so than to not do so. I get it. So what you're saying here, and this is a total breakthrough that I, don't, I think most people don't get, if I'm, if I'm assuming this right, is that selling is actually setting up giving yeah absolutely incredible, right and remember when you are
1: selling you know the old english root of the word sell was salan which literally meant to give really when you're selling you're literally giving now so uh, and and so and so well isn't that just semantics i don't think so because if you're in the selling process what are you giving you're giving time attention counsel education empathy and value Uh, And if they feel that way, they will exchange their money for that value. So
0: in the process of receiving, you should be in a situation where the receiving is set up in a way in which you've already sold your giving. Uh So it's not saying, hey, can you give me something and I'll prove it to you? And that is so difficult because so many people are saying, hey, give me first. And what I'm hearing is you can sell without having to lay out the costs. But Mm -hmm. the cell is really how I can give you and the receiving then comes naturally following, which you said earlier, which is the echo, the thunder to the the storm.
1: You know, it's like we use an example early in the book where Pindar says to Joe, you know, most people or not most, but many people have that attitude. They walk up to a fireplace and say, first, give me some heat. Then I'll throw on some wood and some paper and light a match. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to first give value to that fireplace. You've got to throw on the logs. You've got to light a match. You've got to, right. It's like going to a bank and saying, uh, give me some interest and then I'll make a deposit. Mm -hmm. No, you make the deposit. You have to first give value. You make that, then you receive interest. Uh, That's just, you know, the natural, you know, sowing and reaping.
0: You know, one of the things that I think this book gives people, and I suggest, and I really urge everyone to read if you haven't read it, um, The Go-Giver. First of all, how do people find you? Bobberg.com. is that? Yeah. Berg.com. Berg.com. I try to keep things simple.
1: I'm a very simple person. B U
0: R G.com. B U R G.com. Excellent. So go to his website, go to Bob's website, you go to Amazon, you get the book, you got to read it. One of the things that I think this book creates, when I read it the first time I felt this, um, was a elevated way of living. It, it, it takes the bar from a, like you said. I I think you said even think with the, the trading mentality, life, and it moves it up. And that requires people to be different, it required me, as I was trying to implement this stuff, to be better. Because that's the only way I could have – you can only work that way. You, it, unless you're providing more value, you're not getting what you want. So when you see it from the go-giver perspective, you're actually pushing yourself to find pieces of yourself that wouldn't have come out but for this mentality. Oh, Thank you. I,
1: that's – yeah – That's such a fantastic compliment. I just appreciate you saying that so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And and I appreciate the time you're giving us here today. And this is so incredible for those that are tuning in. If you're running a business, if you're an employee, if you're out, I got to tell you something. I found this was helpful in my family. If you're just a person and the world, if you're not a person living in the world, then you're going to listen to this. If you happen to be a person (laughs) who happens to be living in the world, this is a valuable go-giver. Check it out. Bob, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.